cool. So carrying on Romans. Um, again, Daniel preached a a great word last week about 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 Romans nine, and I, I was glad that I wasn't given Romans nine. <laughs> I was definitely glad I wasn't given that one, man. <laughs> but Dan, you done well with that. Done really really well with that. You know, with um, and I think one of the uh, major highlights for me about Romans nine is it really it really does illustrate that you know what God's ways are are actually higher than our ways. And his thoughts are actually higher than our thoughts. And, you know, we know that that's a great scripture to say, but actually his ways are actually higher than our ways. And uh, there are some things, as, as Daniel said, which we, you know, that we can't put God neatly into a box, that we can't say, yep, this is all of God. I've got him. This is, these are the full parameters of who God is. Um, and 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 actually, Romans nine is is a timely reminder that actually the box or the um, the finite parameters you had got in, um, yeah, you need to break it because it it may not be always that um, he's bigger than that. You know what I mean? He can't be confined. Um, so yeah, <clears throat> great word. So yeah, let's uh, carry on in the same vein. We're carrying on the letter, um, and we're we're running from chapter ten of Romans, and we're going from verse one to verse thirteen to start off. So that's Romans ten, and we're going from verse one all the way to thirteen. What shall we say? What shall we wait, brothers? My heart desires, my heart, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does who does the commandments shall live by them. But the righteousness based on faith says, do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend up into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same God, Lord, is Lord of all bestowing his riches on all who call on him for everyone who calls on the name of the lord will be saved amen amen thank you uh hosea thank you um there's there's um a couple things that i want to pull out um from the scripture um and i think uh it's probably important for us to just ensure that we know that paul here is speaking about uh uh, uh, Israel um, in these first couple of verses. Um, and I really want to highlight verse two. Um, for I bear witness, so for I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, 
but not according to knowledge. And and we can really see this verse in in the life of Paul. Actually, uh, we know Paul. Um, you know, I believe you know he like he would keep the law. He was persecuting Christians. Do you know what I mean? He was doing all of that with, but all of it was for God. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, they believed that what they were doing was for God. They believed crucifying Christ was for God. And Paul here is really highlighting that they had a that they had a real zeal for God, but he also wants to highlight that they had a that it was not according to knowledge, that there was an ignorance about God's righteousness. Um, and we know previously, you know, God's righteousness is, is that state that is acceptable. And what Paul highlights, um, and he goes on, he goes on to it in verse three, is um, he says, For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. So again, he's speaking about um he's speaking about Israel and he's he's speaking to the Roman church and really highlighting to them that you know the Israelites were zealous for God, zealous for God, but not according to knowledge. And that will become a theme uh throughout this preach today. They had a zeal, but not according to knowledge. Um, and because they had a zeal not according to knowledge. They were ignorant of what true righteousness was. They were ignorant of what actually pleases the Lord. They were ignorant of the state that a man or, yeah, that a person should and can be in that would be fully pleasing to him. And again, we've gone over that throughout all of the last couple chapters. And we know that Paul re is really alluding to faith. And because they lacked that, what did they do? They started to establish their own. So they started to establish their own righteous requirements. They started to uh, establish, uh, you might say, their own laws, which they felt, okay, this is what we need to do in order to please the Lord. These are the things that we need to do in order to be righteous and to show that we are like God. And to show that we are like, um, uh, uh, yeah, and to show that, you know, we are children of God. Um, and what uh, Paul, for me, is really highlighting is that Israel, and we know in, in, um, in a chat, in chapter nine and in a couple of the other chapters that they were chosen. And that those who were chosen were deceived. This is, this is really important. Those who were chosen were deceived. In fact, they were so deceived that they created their own righteous requirements. They, they literally created their own, uh, you might say, tick sheet for what means righteousness. That's how deceived they were. That they were completely unaware of God's righteousness. Why? Because they were so fixated on establishing their own. But verse 4 says, but for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. 
let's uh, move on to verse six. <clears throat> I'm just, yeah, let me just highlight verse six, actually. But the righteousness based on faith says, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven. That is to bring Christ down. Verse seven, or who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. Verse eight, but what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. And I really like this scripture uh, because Paul really wants to highlight to, to the Roman church um, and, and in using um, Israel as an illustration, um, he really wants to, to highlight, you might say, the simplicity of the gospel or the simplicity of how we become Christians. And what he really wants to say is that, you know, us becoming righteous isn't about going up and trying to bring Christ down or us going down and having to bring Christ up. What, what does that mean? All of these extra requirements to become a Christian. Okay, like, Josh, you need to do this. Then you, then you can become righteous. Or you need to do this. And then you can become righteous. But what he really wants to highlight um, is that the word, and what's that word? That, that's the word of faith. That's the gospel. That's the word which has gone forth where Christ is calling us, where the Father is calling us. And what he wants the, the church to know is that that word isn't somewhere far. It's not somewhere far off, somewhere really, really far where you have to journey. But actually, where's that word? Verse 8 says, that word is near you. It's in your mouth. It's in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Really good. Okay, I'm going somewhere. Then verse 9. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Okay. For with the heart one believes and is justified and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. And I think a couple of things that I, that I, that I wanted to pull out from this um so paul first is telling us that you know what the word of life the word of faith is not far off that you need to bring christ down or you, you need to raise him up from the dead it's near you it's near you it's being spoken and then actually he then says uh, 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 for for us to actually become saved what we need to do is to confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that, that, that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. And I think for me, there's two things that I want to pull out from this scripture. Um, that word Lord, and I, I feel like Daniel has, has really touched upon that word. Um, but it's a strong word. It's a very strong word to call someone Lord. Um, in fact, calling someone Lord would be the equivalent of saying, this person is my emperor, or this person is the first in all things. So 
when we're saying, you know what, Jesus is Lord, what we actually are confessing is that Jesus is the first in all things. Jesus is the emperor of my life. And actually saying that is very controversial because we also need to realize where they are. This is the Roman Empire, right? This is the Roman Empire. So there is, there are lords and there are uh, uh, emperors and, and, and there are people in authority. And the word used for Lord in this specific portion of scripture is the same word that you would use um, to describe those people in authority. So you would say, you know what, you know, this guy is Lord or Lord Herod or something like that. But actually, what Paul is, is telling the Roman church is that actually our confession as, as believers is that Jesus is our Lord, that he is the emperor. He is the one that dictates how we live, how we move, how, how we operate. Um, it's a big deal to call him Lord. And something else that I want to pull out from this portion of scripture, which I think I've really taken for granted, really taken for granted, and really haven't discerned um, how, how important it is, is that we learn that how we were able to access God's righteousness was by believing in our heart and confessing. And for me, when I read it, that completely blew me away. In the sense of, if we think about all that we've been reading in Romans, all about the promises of God, who we are in Christ now, we now have the Holy Spirit. Do you know what I mean? He, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We are no longer, we are no longer condemned. Paul's saying here that the way we become saved is by simply believing in our heart and confessing. That's it. That's mind, to me, that's mind blowing. Even though I know that, the realization that for us to enter into the kingdom is by believing in our heart and confession. And confession simply means to agree with what someone said. So we believe in our heart and we confess. And through the act of believing and confessing, that has now translated us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of our dear son. Okay. And I think there's something else that I, I really want to labor when it comes to confession and when it comes to the mouth, because um, confession and speaking was seen very differently in Bible times than perhaps now. Right. So when you like when you couldn't like when you confessed something, when you said something, it really meant something. If if you confessed that you were, for instance, a Roman and and we have that example in Acts, that if you confess I'm a Roman citizen, that fact of you confessing that you were a Roman citizen gave you access to different things and actually ensured that you were treated with dignity 
And, and actually, because your confession was that of a Roman citizen, the way you would walk would be as a Roman. Hence where we would get the phrase, you know what I mean? When in Rome, right? Okay, I'm going somewhere. Um, let's read James chapter 3. Um, let's read James chapter 3. And we're going from verse, uh, we're going from verse one to eleven. My, my brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is he is a perfect man, able also to bri bridle the whole body. Indeed. We put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. Um, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquities. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our God and Father, and with it, we curse men who have been made in the sim similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceeds blessings and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and a bitter from this and bitter from the same opening can a fig tree but my brethren bear olives or grapevine bear figs thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh amen amen thank you jackie thank you jackie um i feel like it's a familiar scripture um and it's it it's really about the power of the tongue, the power of the tongue and the importance of the tongue. Um, in Romans 10, we learn that actually we, we, we are saved through believing in our heart and confessing, using our mouth, confessing. And we actually learn that that confessing isn't just a small thing. But actually, in James, James really breaks it down because James actually says that actually, just like a bolt is, is moved by a little rudder, right? A little rudder is able to change the whole course of someone's life, okay? Just like a bridle is put into the mouth of a horse. This is all speaking about the power of the tongue, speaking, Okay? Just like a horse's whole body can be turned. So, it, so if, if there was a horse and it was facing north, 
if I, if I put a bridle, which is, I guess, like a piece of wood that it would bite on, and then some rope, if I pulled it a little bit to the right, that strong horse, which is bigger than me, would have to obey. It would have to obey. The rudder of a ship is smaller than the ship. But if the rudder is facing one direction, the ship must obey. Must obey. Um, 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 and I really like what it says here, um, uh, um, that actually the tongue can set the course for the entire life. That the way we speak, what we confess, has, has, has power, just like a rudder does, to change the direction of our life. And I think it's, for me, Romans 10 and this scripture is a, is a, a reminder for us as Christians um, because, of, because I've definitely grown up with um, sometimes preachers which, who may have maybe preached this to the extremes of the prosperity gospel where you just keep saying money come to you. Do you know what I mean? In the hope that money comes to you. That's not what I'm talking about here. But what I am talking about is that there is power in our mouths, guys. There is, and this is the thing I really want us to get, there is so much that, that God has put so much emphasis on our mouth that actually when we believe in our heart and just confess that Jesus is Lord, we're saved. And guys, I really need us to deep from darkness to light, the magnitude of the change, just from a confession. And it's not just a confession, because as we say it, it's like a rudder, which, which has done what? Changed the direction of our life. Mm, mm. Where were we going? Well, we know according to Romans that we were subjected to what? The law of sin and death. So we were going towards death, right? Mm. But now our confession has what? Changed the direction of our life. Mm. It's changed the direction of our life. And it's important for us as Christians to never forget that there is that there is power in confessing the word. There is power in believing in your heart and confessing. Ah, Josh, but no, 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 it doesn't feel like anything's happening. According to scripture, the mouth is like a it like, oh, where's that verse again? I like it when it says, yeah, how great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. If you've ever, you know, seen fires in Australia, though I think they're called bushfires. Yeah. Normally, they say that it was started by maybe someone having a barbecue or someone's cigarette. And acres and miles of, of forest is burning. Our mouths are important. God is like, he wants us to use our mouths as a way to reorientate ourselves in the direction that we need to be. Mm. That's what we need to be doing. Let's get back into Romans. Let's get back to Romans 10. Uh, one moment, everybody. Oh, sorry. 
uh, Romans 10. So we've now learned that Israel had zeal, no knowledge. We know that the word of faith is not far. It's not something we need to reach up to the sky or jump over hoops. That word is so near us, so, so near us. And we're going to find out a little bit more about that word as we read on. It's so near us. And we can access this salvation by believing in our heart and confessing with our mouth. Because actually when we confess, confession is like a rudder. It's like it's like a fire. It's like a bridle which can change the direction of our whole entire lives. I'm telling you guys, this is important. And guys, as I'm preaching, I'm preaching, I'm really preaching this to myself as well. That it's important for us to be a people of confession, confessing his word. Like, do you know what I mean? Opening our mouths. Do you know what I mean? Opening our mouths and declaring who we are and declaring our intentions. Because when we believe it in our heart and confess it, that Jesus was Lord, we were translated from darkness into light by that little thing. Or to what we would see is small. But the Bible is telling us that confession and belief is not small. It's actually something that we really need to be aware of. Um, let's read on. Romans 4. Romans chapter 10, uh, this time we're reading from verse 14 to 21. So that's where we're back on Romans and we're reading from verse 14 all the way to 21. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. But I ask, have they not heard? Indeed they have, for their voice has gone out to all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. But I ask, did Israel not understand? First, Moses says, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation, with a foolish nation, I will make you angry. Then Isaiah is so bold as to say, I have been found by those who did not seek for me. I have shown myself to those who did not ask for me. But of Israel, he says, all day long, I have held up my hands to disobedient and contrary people. Thank you, Abiel. Thank you. Thank you. Verse 14. So first we, okay, so there's a word. There's the word of faith. Um... And it, 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 if we can confess with our mouth and believe in our heart, then we'll be saved. Verse 14 says, how then will they call on him on whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And for me, I really love this verse because it, um, it, um, there's a tension here with this verse with chapter nine, with what Daniel preached last week about being chosen and God will have mercy on whom he will have mercy. And, you know, there are some vessels that have been chosen for destruction. And yet Paul is like, how would they know unless they've been told? How, like, how can people be saved unless they have been preached to? 
it sounds contradictory. And yet we are called to hold these both in tension. We, we are called to, to hold these two realities as truths. What do I mean by that? It reminds me of, and it's something that Daniel uh, really speaks about in terms of prayer, about Elijah and praying for rain. Do you know what I mean? There's a word, it's going to rain. And Anne is praying for rain. In the book of Daniel, I believe Daniel reads, uh, I believe he reads the scroll, and I believe it's from the prophet Isaiah. And he realizes, snap. Shouldn't the prophecy be happening now? And, and what does he do? He starts to pray. So there's a prophetic word but also Daniel's praying for the prophetic word to come. God has said something, and I'm also praying for what God has said to come. And it's that duality that almost we are being called to hold here. That actually, God's desire is for everyone to be saved. But, 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 Josh, aren't there people who, you know, God has just chosen to have mercy on? What I want to invite us to is that we get to be a part of um, uh, um, uh, um, the invitation to people to whom God will show mercy to. We get to co-labor with the Lord in bringing that word of truth, in bringing that word of grace to people. And for me, this is a real encouragement for us as a people that people won't know the gospel unless they are told. On, on, unless they know about it. And for me, this, this a really contrasts for me or really highlights Paul's life, actually. Actually, he was what zealous without knowledge. And there are many people that are zealous in this life. And I'm not talking about Jews. I'm not talking about people we know who are zealous for foolishness. And a, a lot of the people are zealous for foolishness. Why? Because they don't know. They haven't heard the word of salvation. They, they haven't heard it. How are they to hear without someone preaching? And it's like God has given that mandate to us. And it's like, I would just, I know sometimes I, I'm like, God, that's long. Why don't you just, oh no, just give it, just give everyone a dream, God, and let them see you. That's what I would do. But actually, God has said, no, no, no. The, one of the vehicles that I want to use for my message of truth is through us. Oh, Josh, I'm not an evangelist. Okay, that's great. Thank you for letting me know. I don't know what that has to do with the scripture, though. It has nothing to do with the scripture. Paul didn't say, if you're an evangelist, then you are the one. It simply says, how can they hear without someone preaching? Ah, oh, the world is this, this. How would they know without someone preaching? How would they hear? And that's preaching what? Through word. And I would also say through deed, because we know through scripture that what we are a walking epistle. 
How would they know that there's another kingdom out there unless there are people who are from that kingdom they can be around? And, and how would they know of that kingdom unless they can be around people who smell different to them, who talk different to them, who behave differently because they are rooted in a different kingdom? Verse 18 to 21. And Paul continues to speak about uh, the power of the word. In fact, let me read from verse 17, actually. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. But I ask, have they not heard? And this is really important because Paul, Paul now is, is, is now highlighting that actually Israel heard. Israel, Israel heard numerous times, numerous occasions. The Bible says their, their voice has gone out to all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. Israel heard, but they rejected. God, like, 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 I just love listening to the word. I just love hearing. But what, 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 what Paul is, I believe, highlighting in these last couple of verses is that our relationship with the Lord is a call and response. It's a call and response. And we know that because... Before that, he spoke about believing in our heart and confessing with our mouth. And as we confess, the way we move changes and our behavior changes. That's the fruit of our belief. Something has happened because of my belief. And what Paul is, is, is highlighting is that there was a group of people who just, who just heard the word and did nothing. And actually, Paul is, Paul is just put, he's putting that dagger in to say, listen, hearing is not enough, you know. Hearing the word is not enough. And, and this is to us as Christians, it's not enough. Why? Because Israel heard it. Israel heard it. But what did they do? They rejected it. And we read, and we read in Romans, they didn't mix it with faith. And we know what? Faith without works is dead. There's a faith we have. Which produces a confession. An agreement. And that agreement produces a lifestyle. It produces a lifestyle. A way of being in the world. Um, and the encouragement to us is that the encouragement to us, um, yeah, is for us not to be people who just like hearing the word. Because I've I, I've definitely been in places um, or in seasons um, where I've just loved getting words from people. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Oh, just prophesy over me, man. 
book is thick with prophetic words. <laughs> thick. I don't, but I'm not doing anything. I'm not doing anything. I'm looking for the for the latest revelation in the scripture. But I'm not doing anything. Oh, Josh, the word shepherd means shepherd, which which actually means. <laughs> but are we doing anything? We have to be a people who do it. And for me, this is again highlighted in, in, in the book of James. James, James is just on it. Let's read that and then I'm going to end there. It's James chapter 1 and it's from verse 19 to 25. That's James chapter 1 and that's from verse 19 to 25. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself. For he observes himself, goes away immediately, goes away and immediately forgets what kind of... I lost it, sorry. No worries. Uh, do you want to take it again from verse 24, Maria? Um, yeah. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Thank you, Maria. Thank you, thank you. Doers of the word, man. And that's how Paul really ends that section there to remind, to remind them that the word is there. The word of salvation is there. It's there, guys. The word we need is there. But we need to be doers of it. We need to confess it. We need to be doers. And I really like, it says in verse 23, who looks intently. And that word intently literally means to stoop down and look. So let's say that something dropped on the floor. You would stoop down and look at it intently to see what it is. It's, it's not a glance. And it, and it reminds me of if I'm going Tesco down the road, I, I might look at the mirror and then go. But if I'm going to see a client or I'm going to the wedding or a wedding, or maybe I'm going out on a date with Jackie, the way I look at that mirror is going to be different, you know. Mm -hmm. I'm going to look at that mirror intently because I want to know what I look like. Not what I hope that I look like in my head, 
but I look in that mirror so I can get a, a, a accurate understanding of what I look like. And that is an example of the, of the level of interrogation the Lord is calling us to, to do as, as, as believers. But as we confess his word, as we begin to walk in it, it's like a mirror. And he's calling us to not glance at it. And I really like the fact that James did didn't just say, look, he said intently, mm. intently, intently look at that word and see what it's revealing to us. That's what I love about mirrors. You can't tell the mirror what to reflect. I can't tell the mirror, I want you to reflect back someone who's six foot five. I can't. I can, you know what I mean? Even on my best day, I can't tell the mirror, reflect someone back to me who's six foot five and hench. I can't do that. Mm -hmm. When I look at the mirror, the mirror is going to show me what I am. Mm -hmm. And I might be disappointed, like, oh man, I'm not six foot five. But this is what it is. And I need to be aware of where I am, not in comparison to my friends, mm -hmm. not into comparison to Johnny over there who, 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 who fell off, but I'm doing a bit better than him, so I'm blessed. No, 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 no. It's not about doing the word better than Johnny. It's about doing the word that he's told you to do. In, with, a, with, with an intensity and great intention. And as we do that, through our confession, which is based on faith in our heart, Paul is reminding us that that can change the course of our lives. Doers of the word. Being, when we confess, that's us being doers of the word. Let's become doers of the word um, and not just hearers. <laughs>